With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Know It All. The ABCs of Education. A platform of Allison Brown Consulting. ABC where we empower our listeners with insightful information about equity in education. Welcome to Know It All, the ABCs of Education. Remember to listen in every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern or at any time from your computer at blogtalkradio.com slash knowitall. I am your host, Allison R. Brown of Allison Brown Consulting, ABC. I'm a civil rights attorney with a focus on equity in public education. Keep up with me on my website at allisonbrownconsulting.com and be sure to follow Know It All at blogtalkradio.com. If you're tweeting, follow me at Allison R. Brown and tweet about the show with the hashtag KnowItAllABC. On today's show, we're talking about resistance and protests in education. There is certainly a movement afoot. Protests have arisen related to the adoption of the Common Core State Standards by many states. Students have protested harsh discipline practices in their schools. December 9th was actually a national day of action to reclaim the promise of public education. And teachers have walked out of school for various reasons. My guest is Jesse Hagopian, who teaches history and is the Black Student Union Advisor at Garfield High School in Seattle, Washington. Jesse is also an associate editor of the acclaimed Rethinking Schools magazine, founding member of Social Equality Educators, and recipient of the 2012 Abe Keller Foundation Award for Excellence and Innovation in Peace Education. Jesse is a contributing author to 101 Changemakers, Rebels and Radicals Who Changed U.S. History and Education and Capitalism, Struggles for Learning and Liberation. Welcome to the show, Jesse. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. It's, it's a pleasure to be on, Allison. So, Jesse, why don't you tell us your story? You teach high school history in Seattle and recently led a boycott there. What were you protesting and why? I do. I teach history at Garfield High School, and <clears throat> we were protesting the standardized test known as the MAP test, the Measures of Academic Progress. And this is a test that was not aligned to our curriculum, so students and teachers are being judged by a test that has questions on it that are not expected to be taught by the teachers administering the test, and yet our evaluations hinge upon it, and um, students are labeled a score uh, based on this test. And so uh, one afternoon I got a call from a teacher who wanted to meet with me because I was the building rep, and she asked me to come uh, to her room, and I did after school, and she told me she was going to refuse to give this test. And she, 
for a whole host of reasons. And I was really excited because I'd been organizing against this test for some time. And here was a teacher who was going to be refused, who was going to refuse to be silenced, really, in this whole education reform debate. Here's a teacher who was willing to stand up and do what she believed was right for education. And it was uh, incredible um, that Mallory Clark, one of the storied reading teachers at Garfield High School, was going to take the stand. And, and it proliferated from there. We organized meetings in each department at Garfield, and uh, we, we really pulled behind um, many of the, the teachers in all the tested subjects and beyond uh, into uh, a movement demanding an end to this, to this um, really flawed test, a test that didn't respect English language learners' you know, cultural and linguistic diversity, a test that wasn't aligned um, for the IEPs, the Individual Education Plan, for our, um, for our, our special education students. And so our teachers at Garfield said enough is enough. So the vote was ultimately from teachers was unanimous. Am I right to walk out? Yeah, that's right. I mean, after we uh, after we had small meetings with the math department, the language arts department, the English language learners, and the and the special education department, we knew there was widespread opposition to this test. I mean, we heard from math teachers who said that they were seeing, you know, ninth grade algebra teacher was seeing geometry questions on this test and he made the analogy that that would be like if a Spanish teacher saw French questions on the test. Yes, it's foreign language, but it's a completely different subject. <laughs> and to to judge teacher judge teaching and and learning on this metric was was outrageous. And so we took it to the whole staff. We had a whole staff meeting and there was a lot of debate. Should we take the stand and teachers pointed out measures in the past by our school district where they had been overly punitive and were likely to reprimand us and they asked me what could happen and I couldn't sugarcoat it you know I let the staff know that if they refused to give this test they could be labeled insubordinate by our contract and then uh, ultimately could be fired and that was a real difficult discussion to have, but finally one teacher, a great math teacher named Karen Gunn, stood up and she said, I'm tired of seeing my students and teachers being labeled a failure for a test that isn't aligned to our curriculum, and I'd rather be reprimanded for standing up for what I believe in than for letting this test run over us. And I said, it's time to vote, <laughs> and right there we got a unanimous vote. Uh, not a single teacher voting against uh, the action, and it was to refuse to administer this terribly flawed exam. It it just it gives me chills, Jesse. That's that's it's really just <laughs> exciting. <laughs> and you had it was. you had support was from yeah yeah you had support from the students too, right? How did you make that happen? Yeah, I mean, um, I think that 
the student support was critical to our victory. And it wasn't anything that we made happen so much as it was their own um, discussion that really led them to the same conclusion. And when they heard that we were uh, getting ready to refuse to administer it, uh, one of the, the students, um, Obadiah Terry, who's a, he's graduated now, but um, he was the Black Student Union president the year before um, that I had worked with, and then he was the whole school president. Uh, he brought the issue before the uh, Associated Student Body Government. And he said, here's what the teachers are thinking of doing. And these students went out and did their homework. <laughs> they got mm -hmm. research um, and documents, and they interviewed parents and teachers and students about the test, and they came to the same conclusion that we did, that it was a huge waste of time. This test is administered three times a year on the computers, and it it clogs up our computers for weeks at a time. And it was one of the things that I raised as well, that if I assign a history research project, the kids can't use the library because it's yeah. off limits during testing time. And, and you know, the, the students um, also found that to be a huge problem and to be a, a test that wasn't useful. And they, they joined our boycott and spoke very articulately about uh, the problems with inundating education with standardized tests. So then what did the what did the boycott look like with the teachers? Did you wait until the day of the test and walk out? What did what did it look like? Hmm. So the way it worked is there's a testing window of uh around a month of time in which you have to administer this test. And so we announced at a press conference in early January that we were going to refuse to administer this test. And so we had until the end of the testing window um, sometime in February to, to complete our task of administering the test um, before we were going to officially be labeled insubordinate. Um, and we received an email uh, maybe a week and a half into our boycott from the district saying, just basically to summarize it, it said, in case you are wondering, the MAP test is not optional, and we expect all uh, employees to administer it. So now we had our official notice. And I know that a lot of a lot of teachers' hearts quickened when they read that email pop up um, that was sent from the superintendent to every teacher in the district. And it was just a couple minutes after he sent that message that the bell rang announcing lunch, and one of our teachers got on the intercom and announced that everyone should meet in the conference room because a school in Florida had sent us pizza in solidarity with our struggle. And that <laughs> moment brought the staff together and I think really showed people that our struggle against the MAP test wasn't just about Garfield High School. It wasn't just about the MAP test. It wasn't just about something happening in Seattle. That there were parents and students and teachers around the nation that were counting on us uh, because 
they had also faced similarly flawed uh, assessments. And at that point, teachers realized that we had to stand up, not just for us, but for, for so many others uh, who had been subjected to the test and punish model of education that has come down from race to the top and no child left behind. And it really, I think, emboldened the staff as thousands of emails came flooding in, uh, messages of support and signatures on petitions. And we called for a national day of action. And, you know, many hundreds of people bombarded the superintendent's office with phone calls and emails. And at that point, our staff really lost its fear, I think. And it was a, a really one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen is an entire staff, a group of people shedding their fear and realizing that we have a lot of power in solidarity. Mm-hmm. So what was the response from the administrators? Were you all fired? <laughs> You're still teaching, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah, thankfully, um, I mean, they escalated the situation. They then sent out uh, email to every principal in Seattle with a letter that they said, you need to call an emergency staff meeting and you need to read this letter to every staff member in the Seattle schools. And in that letter, it made a threat of a 10-day suspension without pay Mm. for educators who refused to administer the test, especially the math and reading teachers um, and testing coordinators who were in the, the tested subjects. And at that point, we knew they uh, meant to try to squash this in the harshest terms. And mm-hmm. we knew that, you know, the Seattle Times had editorialized against us saying, you don't want to administer this test because you don't want to be held accountable for student learning. And uh, Michelle Ree had editorialized um, against us as well, saying that this was all about teachers looking out for their own self-interest. And it appeared that the district was caving to the pressure of the corporate education reformers that place such a high emphasis on standardized testing. And so uh, after that threat, we also escalated our movement, uh, calling for, you know, a national day of action. And we were inundated with letters, photographs of, of teachers who had assembled on the front steps of their school taking pictures that said, scrap the map, and they sent those to us. Um, it was really quite incredible. Uh, students in Portland held a press conference talking about their resistance to standardized testing, and parents in Chicago went to some 30 schools organizing opt-out of their own and speaking out in support of the map test boycott. And it was really that solidarity that kept us safe. And the superintendent had to walk back his threat and say that that, we weren't going to be suspended now, but there would be other unknown consequences. 
Um, and so, Have there been? Well, thankfully, the movement grew so large, it, none of us could have expected it. <laughs> it. It was absolutely amazing. It got so big that he realized that any sanction of us would only grow the movement bigger, and um, not a single teacher was reprimanded. But he mm-hmm. did think of one. He did think of one way to try to get around our boycott, and mm-hmm. it was the only thing that scared us. Was when he issued a statement saying that if the teachers won't administer the test, then the administration, the principal and the vice principals, were to go to every class and pull students out of class and march them down to the computer labs to take it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that <laughs> that did worry us because we thought, wow, if they're able to get away with this, what it's going to mean is that an example of all the people that were supporting us, uh, they're going to discover that you can try to resist these tests, but in the end, you know, they have a... They hold the cards, they have the power, and they'll be able to get around it. So that was a real moment of truth for us. And the Mm -hmm. superintendent actually finally came to meet with us uh, right right when he made that, um, that decree. And so we sat down with him at Garfield High School. It was me, Mallory Clark, Kit McCormick, Jessica Griffin and Chris McBride, we were the elected representatives of this MAP test boycott. And we sat down with him and told him our concerns about how this test wasn't aligned to the curriculum. And most damning of all, how one of his own uh, staff members had admitted uh, the year prior to one of our language arts teachers that actually this test had a higher margin of error than expected gains at the high school level, meaning that it wow. was statistically invalid. <laughs> and yeah. we asked them point blank, <laughs> do you really think it's right to uh, purchase a test, you know, cost us millions of dollars uh, to buy and hundreds of thousands of dollars to administer every year uh, for what you admit is statistically invalid, and he wouldn't respond to us. Finally, we realized he was going to go through with his plan. Um, but what? So we left that meeting frustrated. But what happened mm-hmm. was just absolutely breathtaking because the students and the parents, uh, the parents had voted unanimously to support us as well in the PTA. And mm-hmm. what they did was move beyond just their Um, their vote to support us, but they went to actually take action. So seniors, even seniors with senioritis, got to school early (laughs) the next day with with a flyer that said, uh, it's your right to opt out, and explaining to to the underclassmen that they, they could refuse to take this test. And then parents began flooding our school with opt out letters. And so when the administrators who were who were forced to go and try to pull students out of class, when they showed up to class, students staged a sit-in in their own classroom, <laughs> mm. refusing to get up. 
and go take the test. And others and, uh, and choosing just, instead to to stay in the classroom where learning is supposed to take place. That's right. You know, some a lot of them were taking tests that actually mattered, right? They were taking tests mm-hmm. that the teacher had designed that was right. designed to assess the things that were actually taught in the classroom. <laughs> right, right, so right. It's not that we're against tests or assessment, right. <laughs> but we need valuable tests and assessment that, that are connected to real learning, and the students know that. And they, they said, no, I'm taking a test that's useful <laughs> and yeah, incredible. Right. <laughs> well, and I think that's a that's a really valuable point that um, you know the standardized tests are developed by um, corporations and the people in those corporations, and that's right. they're not designed by teachers and they're not being driven by educators that, who are actually in the classroom instructing. Um, so you know, the, it, I think when you talk about you know, kind of that the tests don't respect cultural and linguistic differences and don't mm-hmm. take into account um, students with special needs and and different learning styles even, but which which and I talk a lot about equity and the need for equity in education, which really requires a deep dive, a, a needs-based assessment of student. Uh, where students are and how to get them to a certain point from where they are. Um, but the, and the the point that you've made is important that that teachers, especially the teachers that you were working with to organize this boycott, weren't against and aren't against assessment and uh, you know a true That's um, right. academic diagnosis. Right. So, what what does assessment really, a true value, valuable assessment really look like? No, that's, that's One a great that's been question. One designed by teachers. That's a great question. It's spot on. The, uh, the first thing I should say is why we think uh, standardized tests are so limited. Because I think they're they're really good at assessing a couple things. The first thing that a standardized test is really good at assessing is your ability to eliminate wrong answer choices. So not not so much that you know the right answer, but that over the course of, you know, a couple hundred questions, that on average you'll eliminate more wrong answer choices than the other people. Uh, if that's a, something that we value as a society and that you will use on into the future, um, and that is key to helping us solve problems today, then we should continue on the current path of race to the top and no child left behind. <laughs> but if there's a different set of values we have uh, of what we think knowledge and education is about, if it's not just about eliminating wrong answer choices, then we have to move to a different system. The other thing that standardized tests probably better than anything else measure is your socioeconomic status. It measures your zip code. <laughs> it correlates to zip code more closely than anything else. It doesn't talk, tell you intelligence of a student, um, but it can tell you the student's access to resources. How many books do they have in their home? Uh, how much time do their parents have um, to read to them? Right. It can tell you does the, does the student have access to tutors that can prepare them for these tests 
and things that, that require a lot of time and money. Um, and so that's why we think they're such a limited tool. And so if we have a different purpose for education, then we need different forms of assessment. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we face real crises in the world today. There's mass incarceration where you have mm-hmm. more black people behind bars than were slaves on plantations in 1850, as Michelle mm-hmm. Alexander has so importantly pointed out. Um, we have uh, economic collapse and unemployment that's plaguing our society. We have an epidemic of violence against women. And, uh, we, you know, climate change is threatening the future of humanity. These are real problems that our kids are grappling with today and are going to have to try to address in the future. And none of those problems can be solved by bubbling in A, B, C, or D. And so we believe we need forms of assessment that get at cultivating critical thinking, leadership, civic courage, imagination, collaboration, and the types of skills that, will, that we'll need to tackle these real serious challenges. And, and to me, the, that, that form of assessment is about performance-based assessments, which mm-hmm. allow students to explain themselves, <laughs> right, and collect yeah. evidence and research over time. And Mm-hmm. That that's where I think we need to move as a school system. I mean, it's like when you get your Ph.D. At that level, they don't have you fill in bubbles because they want you yeah. to think, right? So you do, you do research, <laughs> yeah. and then you, perf- and you present you? that research to a panel, right? Yeah. So why don't we do? Why don't we have our kids do that? Um, we could adapt mm-hmm. that for K-12, and in fact, places like Finland that out- outrank us, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I say, let's let's move to that—a form of assessment that really empowers our students. So you mentioned, um, you know, education reform, which which feels like this big bubble. And I, you know, I've called it before this a train that's kind of driving over Black and Latino children. Um, you know, oh, it, right. it's really. Uh, you know, kind of, it's it's huge and it's out of control, and it, and it doesn't include teacher voices. We've we've talked about, but it also doesn't include student and youth voice. Um, and it seems that you know there is um, that pressure, for instance, that you noted that that you noted on the superintendent to purchase these statistically insignificant tests. Um, as part of corporate education reform that doesn't include teacher voice or youth voice. But your movement really, I think, did an excellent job of incorporating the students, making it a learning opportunity for the students. Will you talk about how you really, uh, how you were able to involve your students in this, what you did in this boycott? Yeah, the the students again were critical uh, to the victory of of the boycott. Their participation, they were at the first press conference where we announced, um, and Obadiah, the the school president, uh, spoke very articulately about how students often um, use that time to just press random buttons on the computer, and then the scores go down, which impact. Mm 
teacher evaluations, then we can actually be negatively evaluated uh, based on on random <laughs> button pressing. And we, you know, I mean, when you have a test that's that's humiliating students because it's not aligned to their curriculum, it's hard to blame them for pressing random mm-hmm. buttons or racing each other through. Uh, the test, and so they pointed that fact out from day one. Uh, they, you know, a brilliant student, Fomada Said, um, wrote a poem about the MAP test and how it's uh, and how standardized testing is fueling the school-to-prison pipeline that he has been sharing across um, the country that in different conferences and forums, and shared at a press conference in Seattle. That's uh, very stirring. Um, And, you know, I think most of all, the MAP test boycott at Garfield really brought our curriculum to life um, last year. As as I entered teaching about the civil rights movement, it never came alive like it had in the middle of our boycott. Can you imagine getting (laughs) getting to teach the students about the Montgomery bus boycott? and the power <laughs> that that they had to bring down segregation um, in the middle of our own boycott. I mean, we did a reenactment where we had different constituencies who lived in Montgomery um, meet, come and uh, meet and debate whether they should boycott the buses. And these students had to do research about who the different constituencies were. Uh, a group of uh, political action committee that was primarily women, and then the clergy, and different uh, working-class blacks who had relied on the buses for transportation. And they took on these roles and debated whether they should boycott the buses and what the consequences could be. And it has never been so exciting to see students uh, vehemently arguing their positions as it was then when they knew uh, the power of the boycott, not just from what they read in a textbook, but from what they were seeing every day as, you know, media showed up to our school interviewing students about why they were participating in the boycott, and they saw um, rallies around Seattle in support. And I think it was an incredible lesson they got on the power of solidarity that will bring their study of history to life. Mhm, mhm, and you know that that's such a that is such a poignant um just a vivid visual i think for for me and for the audience, just how what you did fits into the larger history of protest and resistance and how learning can take place and instruction can take place with these very real life experiences. For students. Oh, it's got to you know, be so that you, way. <laughs> yeah, if it's, yeah, and if it's so disconnected from real life, that's when the kids tune out and start drooling mm-hmm. on the desk. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you were able to make a point, which was an, an important point for the teachers in your school, but what you did has such, had such larger ramifications for the students and their future and for the state of testing and education reform nationally. 
Yeah. No, I, I think so. I mean, that was the thing that really uh, made the staff so inspired and uh, feel like our our um, boycott and the risks we took were were worth it was not just our own victory. Um, you know, at the end of the school year, the superintendent sent out an email. After all the threats he'd made, he sent out an email saying, uh, buried deep in the middle of a long email, it said, the math test will be optional for the 2013-2014 school year. And I had to read wow. it over and over again. <laughs> and when, I, when it finally sank in, I leapt out of my chair and I, I screamed. My kids didn't know what had happened to me. And when I, when I announced the news, you know, mayhem broke out and there was no getting control of the class again for the last 20 minutes of school. There was just fist bumping and high fives and uh, spontaneous celebrations. And so we were definitely just absolutely amazed and thrilled by the victory that we'd achieved. But even sweeter was seeing a movement erupt across the country. You know, there had been important steps uh, before the MAP test boycott, but I think our boycott really accelerated a process of students, parents, and teachers reclaiming public education. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we saw walkouts in Portland, walkouts in Chicago of students refusing to be reduced to a single number, and Long Island, 8,000 parents organized, signed up on a Facebook page within weeks uh, to opt their students out. There was a zombie march in Rhode Island where the mm -hmm. students uh, demonstrated how these tests are eating their brains <laughs> and uh, donned themselves in zombie garb and marched to the um, Department of Education. And it really turned into what commentators called the education spring, uh, which has mm -hmm. followed up this year and continued where a school recently in Washington Heights in New York City, 87% of parents opted their students out of the test and the test had to be canceled. And so we're just seeing that the very beginning, I think, of a movement to reclaim public education because, as you pointed out, students and teachers are not being consulted about the direction of public education. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's incredible that here are teachers who have dedicated their lives to bringing up the next generation and, and educating them and, you know, in many cases have master's degrees and um, are in the classroom every day and we're the last people consulted about what is quality mm -hmm. assessment or what should the standards be. Uh, instead, billionaires who have never been in public schools, whose kids don't go to public schools, uh, mm -hmm. they're directing public education policy. So I've often said that maybe Garfield didn't start the MAP test boycott, that actually Bill Gates's high school uh, lakeside mm -hmm. <laughs> Maybe they started the MAP test boycott because uh, they've never given the, the MAP test. And in yeah. fact, the elite private schools across the country, they don't inundate their kids with, with test prep. Uh, what they do is 
have small class sizes, and they emphasize creativity, critical thinking, and they emphasize the arts. And we want the very same thing that Bill Gates wants for his kids at Lakeside, for, for, for all students in America. Yes. So um, I just want to drive this point home that you were one person <laughs> who organized this boycott. How many teachers ultimately walked out with you? There was uh, 90, there's 90 teachers at Garfield High School, uh, and we all, we all organized and um, we all acted collectively. You know, it took, mm -hmm. it took uh, a lot of different leaders, um, especially Mallory Clark and our testing coordinator, Chris McBride. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. the district has a problem when the testing coordinator is boycotting the test. <laughs> <laughs> right. So what do you want other teachers to know, other teachers who might be interested in trying to organize something like this or who may have something else that they want to protest in their schools or that they want to be, um, that they want to have a voice in? How, what do you say to teachers who are thinking, I'm too small for this and I can't do this on my own? Yeah. That's a great question, and the first thing I would say is that to, to teachers is that you are an expert and that you have far more expertise than the hedge fund managers who are directing education policy, who have never been in a public school, who have never seen a student on free and reduced lunch, who have never seeing a classroom where there's too many kids than chairs and you have to figure out how to make it work, right? Who have never seen uh, some, a classroom where all of the, the students have a father or an uncle who are locked up and had to deal with that, right? And so we are experts as educators and I urge teachers across the country in, in many of the trips I've taken to, to different schools and community groups speaking and, and forums all over the country about the lessons of our boycott, I urge them to claim their expertise and to use it and demand that the schools be organized in ways that meet the needs of the communities they're serving and, and the educators within them. Uh, and, and, you know, to do that, you can't always start with the map test boycott. It's uh, real risks are involved. Uh, and you have to start by building trust among, among the faculty that, that actually, you know, you do have better ideas than the current education plan. And, you know, at Garfield we did, we did readings, we held meetings. Uh, I convened union meetings for a couple years at Garfield where staff members got used to debating public education policy. And so when we convened our MAP test boycott meeting, it wasn't uncommon for us to come together collectively and discuss education policy. Um, and so I would say, 
you know, hold a film showing. You could show one of the videos off our website, scrapthemap.wordpress.com, um, where, you know, the teachers of Garfield are interviewed about why we did it and hold a discussion in your school. See if staff are ready. And, um, you know, take collective action. Bring the parents mm-hmm. and the students in. And, you know, the lesson of our boycott is that they might have all the wealth and power, but it can be put in check by the by solidarity. And, you know, I think it's an important lesson that we revive if we're going to stop our schools um, from being taken over by this corporate education reform movement. And I, I would just say that, um, you know, the reason why Michelle Ree was just so terrified and freaked out and wrote an op-ed to the Seattle Times about us is because their whole system of corporate reform rests on reducing the intellectual process of teaching and learning to a single number. That's the score that they use to close the 50 schools in Chicago that mm-hmm. you're seeing happen and, now, to close the dozens of schools, right? Yeah, in, in Philadelphia, closed schools in D.C., uh, it's the score that they use to deny kids graduation and then are often funneled into prison. It's the score they use to fire teachers or, or cut their pay. And we refuse to give them that number. And we refuse to be reduced to a score. And that's why they were so upset. And that's why so many parents, students, and teachers, I think, came to our aid. So, Jesse, I mentioned at the beginning that you received the 2012 Abe Keller Foundation Award for Excellence and Innovation in Peace Education. What what does peace education mean to you? Well, I think to me it means not teaching U.S. history from the vantage point of the generals and the international financiers and the other uh, captains of industry who, whose goals have been to project uh, you know, a form of domination around the world and on indigenous people here. Uh, it, it, means about, it means looking at history from multiple viewpoints. And all too often, I think, our textbooks look at the march of U.S. power uh, and celebrate that, but we're able to use the textbook, learn the official version of history, but also look at the Mexican-American War from the vantage point of Irish soldiers who were once fighting on the side of the U.S. but defected and joined the Mexican side because it looked very similar to them as what England had done to Ireland. Right? We're able uh, to look at um, the Vietnam War from the vantage point of Muhammad Ali, who said, no Vietnamese ever called me the N-word, <laughs> right? and, and understand that there were important dissenting voices in uh, many of the major conflicts that the U.S. has been a, a part of, not the least of which was Martin Luther King, uh, who is often only spoken about in terms of uh, fighting against segregation, but was one of the most 
um, important voices in raising opposition to the Vietnam War. And so I think I think looking at um, these conflicts that the U.S. has been in from those multiple vantage points and having students be able to uh, not erase the voices that have that have called for peace, called for um, that peace to be built on social justice, uh, and and let them decide uh, which voices are the most important for building a just society. Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time. Jesse Hagopian is a high school history teacher in Seattle, Washington, and is responsible for the map walkout. You can keep up with him on Twitter, email him at jesse at rethinkingschools.org, and check out the website. Is it scrapthemap.wordpress.com? Scrap yeah. Is that right, Jesse? Scrapthemap.wordpress.com, and people can go to my website, iameneducator.com, and sign up to follow that with updates about the movement going on around the country. And follow me on Twitter at Jesse D. Hagopian. Great. Well, thank you so much for, for joining me, Jesse. This has been a wonderful conversation. Thanks so much. Take care now. You too. Audience, you are now officially certified know-it-alls about resistance and protest in education. Remember to follow Know-It-All, the ABCs of Education on Blog Talk Radio. Follow me at Allison R. Brown on Twitter. Find ABC on Facebook and read my blog at allisonbrownconsulting.com. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful week. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.